for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and uh, we're continuing the series that Barney began last week uh, in, in the Acts of the Apostles, um, and he spoke about why Acts... I don't know whether you remember his main points, but number one, the characters in Acts demonstrate what living for the kingdom of God looks like. Acts is a history of the early church, an example of how we should live today. And number three, we're all called to be Acts people. So the scripture is going to come up behind me if you haven't got a, a Bible with you. Don't worry. So the scripture will come up there. We're going to just read the first few verses. Uh, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel to restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just help us as we just spend some time just digging into uh, these verses this morning. And Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are indeed on heaven's throne. And we praise you that you have given the gift of your spirit. And we welcome your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know whether you read Acts very often, but I would commend it to you as a, a good book to read. And It's an interesting book because when you get to the end of it, there is no end. It just kind of stops. Uh, It's like somebody writing their biography uh, and and then just stopping. Uh, Because in actual fact, it's not the end of the story. There is more to come. It's an ongoing thing. And so we are called to be Acts people. There's no distinction, no separation between them in that day and age and us. And we can get like that at times. We can look at it and think, oh, that was all about them then, and this is us today, and somehow there's a disconnect between the two. We are living in Acts 29, okay? Acts, the book, ends at chapter 28. 
We are living in Acts 29. The story is being written. And I, I'm a student of, of church history, and I love it. And just to be able to read the, the moves of God throughout church history, how God has poured out his spirit time and time again, and there's been great ingatherings of people into the kingdom of God. And so, it, no, it didn't end with the apostles, as some people perhaps have been inclined to say. And, and really, they've been inclined to say that because uh, they, they got into churchianity, and, and they got into order and structures and, and all of that kind of thing. And, and the life of the Spirit disappeared, so they had to develop a theology for that. And it was a theology that said it all ended with the apostles. Well, it didn't. If you do your history, you find out it didn't. Time and time again, God has broken out in new ways of his spirit, revealing himself, demonstrating his power in healings and deliverances and people being raised from the dead. And so uh, we want to affirm this morning that as Gateway Church, we are called to be an apostolic people. That's not just for people who call themselves apostles or have that ministry. It is for the whole body of Christ. We are called to, together, an apostolic ministry. And so, therefore, it's good for us to look at that and to understand it. So this morning, in just looking at chapter 1, I've titled this, this morning's message, Open to the Spirit for the Advancing of the Kingdom. Open to the Spirit for the Advancing of the Kingdom. And you can't help, when you look at the book of Acts, to notice the centrality of the Holy Spirit. The, the fact that he is there, he is present among them, he is active, uh, bringing to pass the purposes of God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a, a, a preacher that some of you will know about, but of a previous generation, and uh, uh, who pastored in, in, in London for many, many years, and uh, said this, that, that Acts is the most lyrical of books, Live in that book, I exhort you. It's the greatest tonic I know of in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to do that, to live there, uh, because it reminds us in the middle of our, the world that we are caught up in, that God is active in our world. The book covers a period of approximately 25 years. It's full of stories of adventure, gospel proclamation, uh, people coming to Christ, baptisms, fillings of the Spirit, arrest, trial scenes, imprisonments, beatings, rioting, narrow escapes, expansion, raising the dead, shipwreck, healings, uh, miraculous deliverances. It's a great book to read. There's a, a, a lot going on in there. And it's known as the Acts of the Apostles, uh, whereas in reality, this is the story of God. This is all about God as, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in the affairs of mankind. It's that unfolding drama of God at work in human history, which we are caught up in as well. It's so easy in our world to be you know, pressured by our working circumstances, pressured by perhaps the, the, the challenge of raising children in our generation, pressured by bills that have got to be paid, to be pressured by so many things and just feel that the world somehow is just this world that centers around me and all my circumstances and the, the needs and the problems I've got to solve and so on. When in actual fact, we are caught up in the drama of God. Amen? You and I are caught up in the drama of God. And we are all bit players uh, in this drama that God has written and is orchestrating and is carrying through and one day will bring to a glorious conclusion. And Luke says that in, in his previous letter, it was all about 
all that Jesus began to do and teach there. He says right at the beginning, in my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. So in that book, he unpacks the story of Jesus. In that book, he talks about his birth. He talks about his, his, his growing up. He talks about his entering into ministry. He talks about his proclamation of the kingdom and the healings and the deliverances and so on. And he says, in that book, I told you about everything that Jesus began to do and teach with the clear implication that actually he's not finished. Yeah? With a clear implication that actually I'm going to tell you more. But right in this first chapter, as we begin to launch into this chapter, we discover Jesus disappearing off the scene. And we remember the story how when Jesus told them that he was going to be leaving them, it's like, well, Jesus, you're not going away, are you? You're not going to leave us on our own, are you? You know, what, what can we do without you? And Jesus says, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to leave you on your, your own. I need to go away because I'm going to send one who's just like myself, who's going to come to you and who's going to be with you wherever you are, throughout every generation, down through the whole realm of history. And that was a glorious promise indeed. So it was about all that Jesus began to do and teach with the clear implication that Jesus is still active through his people. That actually it's you and I who are now caught up in and involved in this ministry of Jesus. What a privilege, eh? What a privilege to be caught up in the same ministry that Jesus, the Son of God, had when he was here on earth. And uh, so he begins with the ascension in this first chapter, and and that is so important that Jesus physically rose from the dead and he physically ascended into heaven. He He didn't just spiritually rise, he rose physically, he took a body into heaven with him, and that's another subject which I I think is an amazing subject. There's a man in the glory who represents us, but he said, when I go away, I'm going to send one just like myself who is going to be with you. And so he spoke of the, of the promise of the Spirit. We read that in Luke. Uh, you know, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. You read in John and chapters 14 through 17, particularly that emphasis on the Spirit coming, the need of the Holy Spirit. So we have the ascension right here in this first chapter. And then you step over into chapter 2 and you get the outpoured Holy Spirit. That sense of God present among them in a very new and a very dramatic way that they had never known before. And so, number one, the points will be coming up as I I go through this this morning. When you look at this book, it's about transition. It's about transition. Now, uh, we all love our our, our comfort zones. We all love our, our places where we feel secure. We all love those things that we can hold on and to know that that is sure and it's going to be a steadfast thing. And, and, and we need those kind of anchor points in our lives. But we can't stay anchored, as it were. We can't stay the same. And the church cannot stay the same. And so one of the things that you're confronted with when you read this book and as you travel through it is that it's a period of transition. It's about transition. It's about the move from the tabernacle to the temple to the synagogue to the people of God as the building. They had traditionally known things in a different way, but suddenly God is unpacking something entirely new for a a new launch out into the nations of this world uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a move from the the old covenant to the new covenant. It's that transitional point. So we have the Old Testament, then we get the gospels where Jesus comes, God in real flesh, and he lives here, and and he is tempted in all points as we are. He he fulfills the ministry that God has 
has given him and he dies on a cross and he rises again and he ascends into heaven. And, and here in Acts, we're at that transitional point where we're moving on to the next stage in the unfolding drama of God's uh, purposes on earth. And so it's a move from Old Covenant to New Covenant, from a focus on national Israel to the church as the gathered community of both Jew and Gentile, those people who were at odds with one another and who would not in the flesh have come together, now come together in Jesus. And they find themselves brothers and sisters in the same community, sharers together of the same promises and experiences together of the same outpoured Holy Spirit. And we are caught up in that this morning. We are caught up in that this morning, brothers and sisters. We are in this period. We're in this dramatic era of the outpoured Holy Spirit. And it begins in in Jerusalem and it ends in, in Rome in this book with the hints of Spain on the horizon. There is more to be done. And I love that. You know, and even today you can go around and you can hear about all that God is doing and then with hints of other things, uh, those words that people carry on their hearts to to take the gospel further. And we're living in a day and age where the, the Spirit is moving dramatically across the face of the earth. And some of the things that he's doing in in nations that we could never have imagined once before are just fantastic. They're amazing. People coming to Christ in the Muslim world, dramatic encounters with Christ, experiences of the Spirit, being baptized, being added to the church in their hundreds and in their thousands. And what Paul does theologically in the book of Romans, Luke does here historically in the book of Acts. As people of the Spirit, then we must realize that the Spirit does what he wants. <laughs> That's crucial. Because so often I want him to do what I want. Or I want him to do, if he's going to do it, I want him to do it my way. Hmm? We do, don't we? God, don't expect me to do that. But the Spirit... Because he blows where he wills, he will do things his way. And he's always a a fresh Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit does not get stagnant. (laughs) And that's why there's life in the Holy Spirit. Because there's always surprises around the corner in the way God works and the way God acts. As people of the Spirit, we must realize that the Spirit does what he wants. We don't get to say what's acceptable and what's not. He blows where he wills. And sometimes that's a gentle breath. But sometimes it's a raging gale. Sometimes it's like the dew that settles on the ground in the early morning and you walk out from a summery night and there's that dew there just spread across the grass, refreshing and renewing. But sometimes he comes in drenching rain. (laughs) Yeah. And you look through the, you know, that's the exciting thing. As you, you look through the Acts of the Apostles, it, it tells us that the Holy Spirit will not be contained in man's way, that he will blow as he wills. He will act as he chooses. And it's for us then, it's that challenge. Am I, and this is my challenge to us this morning, am I open to the Holy Spirit? If I categorize the Holy Spirit to, to suit me in my personality, Have I accommodated the Holy Spirit to me, or is the Holy Spirit accommodating me to him, you know? Because that's what you'll find you want to do. 
And you get those, those, you, those, those points where he begins to come in and you, no, Lord, no, not me. Find somebody else. No, you. And so number two, it's therefore a move away from the forms that they've known and loved and cherished as this fresh wind of the Spirit blows upon and across them. This church that Jesus was building was, was marked by spontaneity. It was marked by a fluidity. It was an, it was an organism, not an organization. It was never meant to be a, a static body. It was never meant to be structured in the ways that perhaps we have done it uh, throughout church history. And when it has been come into those kind of forms and the early church was seen to be settling in Jerusalem. Holy Spirit has come. This is great. We're preaching the gospel in Jerusalem and he's building his church and, and, and God's saying, no, this, this is not the end of the story. There are others to come in. This gospel needs to get out of this city. It needs to go further up the land. It needs to go across the nations. It's Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what does he do? He sends a persecution. Oh my goodness. <laughs> They haven't planned for it, but God had. I'm going to get them out of Jerusalem. And he sends persecution. And they are spread abroad. And you see how that, the Spirit works through that. God allowed that persecution to come in and stir up the nest and move them on. The church was never meant to settle. And we have to be honest. When we look at church history, there have been times when we have settled. We thought, we've, we've, we're doing it. We've got it all. We, we, we know how to do this, and, and we can get very professional, and we can, we can do the things of God in a very professional way without Holy Spirit. Yeah. We can even do, try to be a Christian without Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit is given to us for a purpose, for a reason. And he will not leave us the same. He will not leave us in our comfort zones. He will constantly be transforming us, nudging us, growing us, enlarging us. And that's the beauty of, of life in the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, there are dangerous prayers you can pray. One of the most dangerous prayers you can pray is, God, I just want to serve your purposes. This sounds very simple, doesn't it? And then God goes to work on you. And you think, God, I didn't think it meant this. You know, I thought it meant that, and I've known that. I can remember when I first felt God calling me into the ministry. And I thought, right, God, let, let's get on with the job. I'd experienced the Holy Spirit. Let's get on with the job. And God, and God just says, knuckle down. You know, and, and for years, I, I, I spent many years working for myself. And, and I would go to places, the work I was doing, I'd see nobody. And I think, God, why am I doing this? Because, God, didn't you call me to do something a bit more where it's engaging with people? Most of my clients I never even saw. And I get frustrated with God. And then I learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn to respond to the Holy Spirit in the now. Because actually, my life is important now. Your life is important now. Where you are is important right now. And it's you and God in that situation. But God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to grow you. He wants to transform you. He wants to, to release gifts in you. He wants you to flourish and, and, yeah, impact others for Jesus Christ. That, you know, God's ways are not our ways. And, uh, yeah, so, wow. And that, that's, you know, 
Church should not be boring, therefore, should it? Because it's not about God at work. And just hearing testimonies like we have just recently and this morning, you know, God at work among his people. It's great hearing those stories, and we need to keep them coming. But we'll only keep them coming as we learn to be open to the Spirit, as we learn to serve the kingdom of God, which brings me to my next point, number three. It's about advancing the kingdom. So we see Jesus there. He spends 40 days after his resurrection teaching them, talking to them all about the kingdom of God. I would love to have been there, wouldn't you? 40 days with Jesus. I'm just hungry, Jesus. I really want to know what this is all about. I know you're the king, and I know this is this kingdom thing that you're talking about, but some of it I'm still not getting, and we see even that a little bit later in the chapter. They still don't get entirely, after 40 days, what he's talking about. They've still got their questions. Is it really about Israel and, you know, kicking the Romans out and all that stuff? You know, when are we going to get all that back? No, you're on the wrong track, you know. And, and so learning about the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the grand theme is the expansion of the kingdom of God. And I believe the kingdom of God is only referenced something like six times in, in the book of Acts. It's referenced, of course, many times in the Gospels as kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. It talks about Jesus when he came. He came saying the kingdom uh, is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Or the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. Because that's where God is, in the heavens. And he's saying it's at hand. And so repent and turn and believe uh, and trust and follow me. Uh, because the kingdom of God is coming in. And, uh, and so Jesus came proclaiming that good news of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens. He, he, demonstrated, it, it, with the inbreaking of the, he demonstrated the inbreaking of that kingdom as he, he ministered to those, those who were sick, as he healed them, as he raised the dead, uh, as he delivered people from the powers of, of darkness, and as he provided miraculous provisions in different ways. He, he, he manifested, he demonstrated this kingdom. And we see a similar thing happening in the Acts of the Apostles because they were continuing the ministry of Jesus. So it's Jesus continuing his ministry in the Acts of the Apostles. It's us continuing the ministry of the Jesus in our day and age. It's him working through us. And that's, that's tremendous, isn't it? That we have that privilege this morning through the grace of God. So he taught them the kingdom. And we've just been through a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and he discipled them in the kingdom of God. It was about living lives of faithful allegiance to the king, to King Jesus. This wasn't a, an easy believism. It was believing in and having that conviction that says, I, I, yes, I believe Jesus is who he really says he is. And I believe that he is a king who deserves my allegiance in every way. That means I will listen to him. That means I will follow him. That means I will uh, work out his purposes day by day. So the, the book of Acts closes with Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God. We find him there in the last chapter. He's there teaching, preaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God. So though it's not referenced many times, and people say you don't find it in, in the letters perhaps, but by marrying up the Acts and the letters, we discover that it is actually going on. It's different terminology, and sometimes as Christians, as a church, we have to change our terminology to suit cultures that we're not, we're not changing what we believe, but we uh, uh, change our terminology to engage and help another culture to understand uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there is a transition in terminology, but not a transition in meaning that is going on here. So at the end of Acts, Paul, we find, is preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. It's a book then about kingdom advance, as we've titled the series. 
And that wasn't necessarily going to be easy. In chapter 14, verse 22, it says that through many hardships you will enter the kingdom of God or possess the kingdom of God. Yes, it won't always be easy. There will be difficulties along along the way, but the king is with us. Hallelujah. And he's empowering us and he's enabling us to proclaim this king. Jesus is king. It would involve confronting principalities and powers. It would involve a, a, a spiritual warfare. And so they, they could not do this on their own. They couldn't do it in their own strength. Jesus didn't just simply say to them, look, now I've taught you everything I now know, go. No, he said, I've taught you, but you need the Holy Spirit. You need Holy Spirit. You can't do this in your own strength. can't do this in your own strength. They couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't do it with their own wisdom. They needed Holy Spirit. And so he says, look, remain in Jerusalem. And I can imagine them in one sense kind of, kind of like, yeah, Jesus is really alive. Wow, it's amazing. Let's get out there and do it. And Jesus says, no, wait till you've received the Holy Spirit. Tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. They needed a power beyond themselves to confront the powers that they were going to encounter as they went out and preached the good news of the kingdom of God. And so number four, it brings us to this point. It's about how the people of God engage with and respond to the Holy Spirit. And this, you know, can't be overstated for then or now. It's about how you and I are open and respond to the Holy Spirit as a present dynamic reality. They, they, the Spirit is the secret of the book of Acts. The Spirit is the secret of the church. When you look at great revivals down through history, the Spirit is the secret. And in chapter 1, we, so they knew Jesus was alive. They, need, they needed the, the Spirit to empower them to witness to him. And in chapter 1, we anticipate the promise. Jesus has told them to wait. They needed a power beyond themselves. And that power was a person. Yeah. Presence of Holy Spirit. A person. You have received, now be filled. And so I haven't got time to go into some of the struggles some people have with texts and where Jesus blows on them and, and, and does different things and so on. Um, but the essence was, yes, they had received Spirit, but they needed His fullness. They needed to know the power. Now be totally filled. Now be totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, the promise of the Father is received. And as we go through the book, there are more encounters, more fillings, dramatic encounters. Jesus was no longer with them physically, but he was there with them in reality in the Spirit. Jesus present amongst them. And it was a big learning curve for them. And life in the Spirit, for us, can be a big learning curve. Maybe you come from a background that kind of doesn't believe in that kind of thing and said that all ended with the apostles. Um, And it's a big learning curve. But if we will be open to the Spirit and responsive to him, there is much to learn and much to to grow, grow in. Jesus said he wouldn't leave them as orphans, and he didn't. So they had encountered Jesus alive from the dead, utterly convinced of his reality, and filled with the Holy Spirit, they proclaimed this good news with great fervency, with great boldness. And later on, it says they turned their world upside down. (laughs) Wow! I mean, they were ordinary guys like you and I, and they turned their world upside down. And in many ways, you know, you you, you read your history and what happened in the Roman Empire and all the rest of it, and how the church grows. I mean, it is phenomenal. It's an amazing story. 
And so it was not for them, this experience of the Spirit was not for them to, to turn in on themselves and, and get goosebumps. I, I mean, I, I like those moments when you do, you know, and there are places and times for that. But it was not to, like, forever be delighting in goosebumps. It was to go out and bring healing and deliverance and this, this message of the gospel to others, etc., etc. They needed God's power to do God's work. We all do, and we, all, we are all called to a supernatural ministry. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are called to a supernatural ministry. Now turn to them and say it with a degree of conviction and receive it with conviction. A slight rising of the intensity, but you get the idea. We are all called to a supernatural ministry. Amen? Amen? Let's have a bigger amen. We're all called to a supernatural ministry. Amen. Amen. Yeah, okay. Right. We need to move on very, very quickly. Corrie ten Boom said this, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. I love Corrie ten Boom. Eh? I mean, that is so true. Try doing it in your own strength, and God, why on earth am I doing this? That's where you end up. But when the Holy Spirit's present, it is delightful. So without the Holy Spirit, we turn Christianity into religion. Five, I need to try and finish very, very quickly. It's all about intentionality. You can't avoid that. Yes, God had promised that he would send the gift of Holy Spirit to be with them. Uh, But this wasn't a passive waiting game. It actually involved something on their part. Jesus promised, but it says that they waited in Jerusalem. But they didn't just wait, let's let's have a beer, you know, or let's go and play a game of golf for a while, or, you know, anything like that. Well, you know, he's going to turn up sometime. We're not quite sure when, brothers uh, and sisters, because there were sisters there as well. We need to remember that and a good number of sisters, and, and so, you know, it's like, well, you know, let's have, a, let's, let's, let, let's have a game of Cluedo or something, you know, to fill in the time. No, it says that they prayed, verse 14, it says they prayed, they were together, they prayed. I'm sure they did some other relaxing things as well, but the essence of it is that they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed every day for 10 days, and, and, and they were praying, not, oh God, would you do this, you know, I, I don't know where, you know... <laughs> They prayed in faith. They prayed knowing that Jesus had said the Spirit would come. They they believed Jesus with all of their heart, but they didn't passively sit on the promise. They prayed into it. They prayed intentionally into the purposes of God. And we have this mystery that we all struggle with at times about how God works sovereignly and how he he, he uses our will. And, And, you know, let's be honest, some of us sit around too long. Yeah? where we're kind of like, God, move me if you can. And God says, well, with that kind of attitude, you can stay where you are. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? You know, because God is saying, he's wanting people to say, God, I want you in my life. I want your, your radical work to be manifest in and through me. And so there's intentionality there. It didn't happen by accident. They prayed. They prayed for 10 days. And their praying was not in vain. And that leads us into to next week's chapter, so we aren't going to go there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that we could say here. William Temple said this, When I pray, coincidences happen. 
But when I don't, you know what? They don't. <laughs> yeah? So, how are you praying? If, if you want to know more of the Spirit, you have to pray. You have to be a man and a woman of prayer. You have to find ways of just opening up to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, I just need you to fill me. I, just, I want your fullness in my life. So, to close, um, the gospel is the good news because Jesus rose again. Hallelujah. Yeah? Okay, the gospel is the good news that the world needs. When I read my newspaper, I see more and more that this world needs Jesus. When I see the brokenness, when I switch on the television, I watch the news, it can be depressing. But actually, they need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And uh, the gospel is to be told through, to all nations through who? Us. Through us. The gospel is accompanied by signs and wonders following. It isn't just for the acts of the apostles, it's for now. Holy Spirit activity hasn't ceased. The disciples saw and they experienced Holy Spirit's power because they were expectant of what he would do and acted by participating in prayer. We need to be the same. So as I cl close, how open to the Spirit are you? That's my question this morning. God is calling us as Gateway Church into a new season. We really believe that as elders. It's a leadership. It's a new season. And I know as much as anybody else, I need more of Holy Spirit. I need that willingness to be open to Him. How open to the Spirit of you. How hungry this morning of you. I hope this morning as I've shared something of a, a hunger, a stirring has been going on in your heart, in your, your life. And you find yourself, I, I, I've settled down and I need to stir myself up. I need to be open afresh to the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to pray a prayer. Father, forgive me that I'm so often filled with, with other things, so often busy about other things and they claim my attention. But I, I want to be fully open to you, Holy Spirit. In fact, I just want to be wide open. I don't want to just push that door open just to crack so I get a little glimpse of you and experience of you, but I want to open that door fully this morning to you. And so, Holy Spirit, I just say this morning, I'm open as best I can be. Would you fill me to the brim so that I can be an effective witness to the King and His kingdom? and be involved in this supernatural ministry that you're still carrying on in Jesus' name.